Today's episode of Blast Burn Radio was brought to you by Joybird, NancyBot, Aliara, and other listeners just like you. If you'd like to support Blast Burn Radio, you can do so over at patreon.com slash challengeacceptedmedia. You can pledge your support and start earning exclusive rewards today. Thank you. are now listening to Blast Burn Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Blast Burn Radio. I am your host, Jolly by Nature, and with me today are our springtime friends, our April Showers co-hosts, Celeste and Messer Engine. Uh, thanks for joining me today, guys. How's it going? It's going pretty good. Yesterday was my five-year wedding anniversary, so my wife and I went out today to lunch and then uh, out to uh, see Shazam, which was really, really good. Uh, it was very fun and, and wholesome. It, i.e. it was not Zack Snyder's film. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm actually really excited to see Shazam whenever I get around to it, but for some reason, whenever I hear the title, the first thing that comes to my head is not Little Boy Gets Zapped by Lightning Becomes Big Strong Man. <laughs> it's Shaq in a fucking genie outfit. <laughs> oh, God, no. Having grown up in the 1990s, that's just an image that's hardwired into my brain that will never go away. Uh, I do understand. I wish you hadn't reminded me of it, because now I'm looped back into the fucking... the Looped into the 90s. That's enough to ruin the movie for me. <laughs> the horror. <Yeah>. The horror. <laughs> I'm going to go back and see it again and just picture Shaq throughout the whole film whenever Ugh. he transforms. Just doing his little shoulder wiggle from the Gold Bond commercial. <laughs> Uh, what about you, Celeste? How was your week? It's been the week of hell. Well, the month of hell, honestly, for lots of reasons. So we'll go into the gameplay stuff yesterday. But gameplay stuff kept me up till 3 a.m. yesterday, and I had to get up at 6 a.m. today to talk with people who are coming to dig up basically from my driveway all the way up through the side of my house to the backyard to lay new pipes for our storm drain, which... <laughs> it's a giant pain in the ass it's all done now it's all fixed um hopefully there's gonna be no more flooding but it's also costing me over three grand to do it yay home ownership yep well i'm i'm real sorry celeste that's real real shitty but hey at least it's done now and at least you don't have to wage war against your eternal nemesis water Ugh. Eh, not fun celeste has been doing an irl uh, recreation of the great flood and noah's ark <laughs> <laughs> to get all the Pokemon in here, we need two of every type. The water is coming. Now, C- Celeste is over here trying to join Team Magma IRL. Fuck the water? <laughs> Nothing <laughs> <Yep>. but land. <laughs> Ironically, there is a giant Snorlax in our basement that I had to make sure to move. Where it didn't. The water didn't get on it at all. There's just a fucking Kyogre like flopping outside on the driveway. <laughs> <laughs> Goddamn Kyogre. 
Oh, oh shit. Well, well, good. I'm glad that you guys are doing okay. I'm, I'm pretty okay as well. It's been, it's been an exciting week in all of the areas of pop culture that make Jolly a happy boy. So I'm, I'm pretty happy about that. That Star Wars trailer though. Oh my God. Yeah. We, guys, we had to beat Jolly before this recording so that we wouldn't do this. And he's still doing it. Let's hope it sticks. You're not the boss of me. <laughs> no, but there is two of us and one of you, and Celeste is close enough to come get you. <laughs> so your arms are not that long. <laughs> I don't know if I could make the drive, honestly. It's only like an hour and a half, but I'm still, I was falling asleep while streaming today. All right, guys. Well, Star Wars aside, uh, this has actually been a fairly active week in Pokemon as well. Uh, the name of the game has definitely been movies, but we've got news for just about everything, including uh, VGC, the trading card game, and even some Generation 8 stuff. Uh, so what's going on? Let's find out in this week's Pokemon news. Do, 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 do. This is the Poke News. It's the fucking Poke News. Now, firstly, as of April 2nd, we have turned a page in Pokemon VGC. Get out Bob Seeger and the Little River Band. We are, we are turning that page. The format has once again leveled up, and we are now seeing competition in the least restrictive VGC 2019 rule set, Ultra Series. Uh, Ultra Series lifts all limitations on held items, Z-Crystals, and Megas, so finally the biggest and baddest of Pokemon can compete on the largest stage. Uh, this is the rule set that will carry us all the way through Worlds, so there will be no further adjustments. Uh, what you see is what you get as this metagame develops. Look forward to a bunch of Primal Groudon and Kyogre, Mega Kangaskhan, and maybe even a healthy dose of Mega Rayquaza, and even Ultra Necrozma. Ultra Series is here. Mmm, that Mega Ray. I'm really, really interested to see what sees use. You know, Ultra Necrozma, for instance, is a really, really interesting Pokemon because it's so incredibly potent, but it requires buildup. Uh, and I'm curious to see, I'm curious to see when the meta shakes out, where it's going to fall, especially given that it is a dragon type in a meta where currently Xerneas is king shit. Yeah, that good, good crazy deer. I don't like him. It looks like he's going to a rave all the time. Just gotta, we gotta put some glow sticks up in there. Yeah, with his glow stick antlers. Exactly. <laughs> now, we also saw the announcement of the next Pokemon trading card game set in Japan titled Sky Legend. This isn't super newsworthy overall. Sets are smaller in Japan and come out much more frequently. Uh, but the sneak peek for this set included a look at its first card, the Zapdos, Moltres, and Articuno Tag Team GX. This is the first tag team card to include more than two Pokemon. And just a really cool one in general with really great art and that's really like neat to anyone who started their journey in Kanto. I know that those three birds have a special place in, in my heart, at least. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see if the format for these cards is loosening, if they're going to do more crazy stuff, uh, or if it's simply special circumstances for special Pokemon trios. Uh, the Sky Legends set will release in Japan on April 26th. I'm still waiting for Pokemon TCG Online to let me just buy cards. <laughs> it hasn't happened yet, and so I don't play. <laughs> now, our last episode was fairly light on Pokemon Go news, uh, but that never stays true for long, much to the chagrin of our own Messer engine. Mess Buddy, what's going on right now in Pokemon Go? Fuck you, Niantic. Anyways, we got a bunch of cool stuff, you guys. First, aforementioned company gave us a preview of the summer event schedule, and it's packed full, because that's, that's what it is in Go. We just never stop doing walking. 
Now, I guess that's the point. And people are healthier for it, so I shouldn't bitch. But there's just a lot all the time. Uh, they gave us some dates for every community day through August. May will be on the 19th, if you were wondering. But much more exciting, they confirmed several live events. This includes the now-expected Pokemon Go Fest for Chicago in June, but for the first time ever, that's not the only one. They also announced a European Go Fest for Dortmund, Germany in July, and a third Pokemon Go Fest Asia for summer 2019 with date and location to be announced. So if you're a Go fan who lives abroad, good news! You'll get the chance to participate much closer to home than Chicago. Niantic also announced a special Earth Day promotion where if enough people participate in scheduled cleanup events worldwide, we'll get bonuses in Pokemon Go. These potential rewards include increased ground-type spawns, Shiny Diglett, and a return of Groudon to raids. If you want to participate on Earth Day, April 22nd, and help clean up your community for Pokemon, head over to niantic.playmob.com to find a participating event near you. Again, that was Niantic dot play mob mob dot com to find a participating event now niantic also we're gonna say this a couple times here announced our next event extravaganza 2019 uh it has to do with eggs you guys i don't know how you would have guessed that uh it's gonna start april 16th and run through the 23rd and includes a variety of egg themed bonuses including increased hatch candy and incubator effectiveness more baby Pokemon available from eggs, and the availability of a shiny Baneary. So go get your pink angel, everybody. And lastly, we got some new features this week. Niantic have introduced trainer poses, which are, well, they're exactly what they sound like. These are new cosmetic items that change your trainer's default pose in lists, on your profile page, and in battles. The new poses are available in the shop for 500 coins per pose, and in addition, Niantic added functionality for Lucky Friends. This new mechanic is available for anyone you attain Best Friends status with. Each time you interact with a Best Friend, you have a chance of becoming Lucky Friends. And when you trade with a Lucky Friend, it is guaranteed to result in a Lucky Pokemon. After a trade resulting in a lucky Pokemon, that friend reverts back to best friend because you can't be lucky friends forever. Until you trigger the status again, of course. Also, a point of note, Niantic, where are my fucking hairstyles, goddammit? <laughs> Poses? Have you been listening to us? Ugh, you have failed me again, you sham of a company. They're basing Pokemon Go off of X and Y where you have to have a hat at all times. I would, and <laughs> why thank you very much mess yeah some of that stuff is really really neat but i agree there's still a lot of room to grow as far as trainer customization now this week we also got some trailers that have the fandom abuzz and no this time i'm not talking about star wars uh as we approach the theatrical release of detective pikachu we are seeing more tie-ins pop up everywhere notably with 7-eleven stores who have a whole line of detective pikachu merchandise you jerks we don't have any 7-elevens here so i can't 
can't have any. Womp womp. Most excitingly, though, we saw the release of a short casting teaser for Detective Pikachu, just showing a ton of Pokemon animated in the movie style. And it was incredible. Uh, we got better looks at Pokemon like Pancham and Apom, and got our first real looks at some series favorites like Trico, Loudred, and of course, my sweet baby Squirtle. Uh, guys, what are your thoughts on this teaser? Squirtle's a burpy baby. A very burpy baby. <laughs> Squirtle's so cute, I just want to snuggle it. And it'll spit water in your face. No, the trailer was really cool. I really, really liked it. I have a feeling that in the movie, like, we're just going to see cameos from, like, fucking everybody. But they'll literally be on screen for, like, two seconds. <laughs> All I remember is thinking that I couldn't really see Eevee that well. And it was just the way it was designed. Everything kind of blended in. But all the other ones were super exciting. I love how they gave Flareon that, that good, good moment where they're like, everyone hates you. We'll, <laughs> we'll make you look cool. But you're pretty, though. <laughs> but, but you're pretty. That's Cinderpuff. <laughs> no, it's really good. I'm really excited. Like, especially, like, even the small details. There were so many that, that were only on screen for, like, a frame or two that were so incredibly good. That Torterra looked absolutely fierce and, and phenomenal. <laughs> I love it a lot. Yeah, it was really good, though admittedly it did not have a river flowing off of the front of its shell, and that made me sad. Yeah, yeah. well, you know, Poe body's nerfed. Now, th there wasn't a whole lot of actual information here. This was just another chance for them to kind of show off the, the art and the, uh, the, the flavor of these movies, which is, again, really, really strong, and we're all really, really looking forward to seeing them. It, it, here in just, just under a month now, we're all real, real excited. I, I know I'm real fucking excited. Me and my wife almost never make it to the theater, uh, but we're, we're definitely going to make it for Detective Pikachu. Yeah, we're going to go. I think I'm probably going to go twice because... I know we're going to talk about it here, so I'm going to have to get my, my rear end to the theater pretty damn quick. But I'm also going to be trying to go if schedules align with my, um, my sister and her husband, his kids, uh, and my new, well, my new niece probably won't appreciate it a whole lot. But yeah, we're trying to go with the kids, basically, because it'll be fun. Well, cool. That, that'll be a real good trip. Now, that wasn't all for movie news this week. Following the recent pattern, we couldn't get a trailer for Detective Pikachu without also getting one for Mewtwo Strikes Back Evolution. Uh, this full-length trailer features some more direct shots, including shots of the human cast actually, like, moving and talking like people. Uh, something I was really looking forward to getting the chance to see and really form an opinion on. Guys, I know that we are collectively on record as being firmly against the art direction decisions on this film. How do you feel about it after this newest trailer? Mm -hmm. I let's do this. Let's let's still do the movie and just replace all the human characters with Pokemon. And we're good. Yeah, I I've seen animation where it splits into different styles and it works. But it, it's really rare, and it's still jarring. This is jarring, and it doesn't work, at least the way I feel about it. It just doesn't blend together correctly. It feels like you're looking at two different, like, I don't know, movies designed and pushed together by one director. I don't know. It's weird. I think what it is, like, really, if, if you watch the trailer, it's that with the Pokemon, you don't have the Uncanny Valley problem. Like... But as soon as the people are on the screen, you do. Mm -hmm. And it fucks everything up. Your brain just kind of ignores that in a, in a 2D drawn film. Because, you know, it's 
you know that it's like hand drawn animated and it I don't I don't know that's never really bothered me and I'm someone who watches like a lot of animated films like TV shows like all that kind of stuff but mm-hmm. in 3D like Uncanny Valley is a really fucking big deal and they just they don't look hu- they don't look human because they're not supposed to but it makes me real uncomfortable <laughs> I will say that with this trailer, I like them a lot more than I did in the previous shots that we've seen. Like, actually seeing them, like, moving and interacting and talking. Like, again, it's it's jarring because we're used to seeing Jesse and James and Brock and Misty and Ash animated in a certain way. But I, I feel like when you actually sit down to watch the movie... The uncanny valley factor is probably going to fade after about 10, 15 minutes, and you're just going to be able to enjoy it for what it is. Like, even in the, the what, two minutes of this trailer, like, it was already starting to fade for me a little bit. It's very different than what we come to expect of Pokemon, and make no mistake, I hope that this is not a new trend. I hope that this is just, like, a one-off experiment and not the direction they're going with for movies from now on, but... I don't hate it like I did before. So that's a thing. And the Pokemon animation is still absolutely incredible. The armored Mewtwo looks extremely badass. All the shots of Mew are, he's just the most adorable little fucking thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Like the Pokemon animation is super fucking good. Yeah, it it really is. I got no complaints there. Like I said, if Ash and company were Pokemon, I think this was fantastic, wonderful. In fact, how about Mewtwo just turns them into Pokemon for the movie? Let's just put that plot point in there. Like, we're not doing anything else fucking original. Just, let's not deal with the people. I don't like it. I Every time a Pokemon movie comes out, because it only has like a certain like limited release events, it's always... A flip of a coin if I'm going to be able to make it out to it. But there's no way I'm going to see this in theaters at all. Like, as much as I'm like, first week in Detective Pikachu, this Mewtwo strikes back shit. No. No, no, no. No, no, no. In fact, I will probably not watch it when it's like available to stream either. I have no interest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have to give it that like one good Mystery Science Theater 3K watch through. <sighs> Yeah, maybe maybe that time that I get out to Indiana, we can do that. There, there you go. Now, we did get a little bit of Generation 8 news this week, so we'll be talking about that after the cut. So, this month's Koro Koro magazine is out in Japan, and while we were hoping for solid reveals this month... Well, we didn't get that. Once again, the Sword and Shield spread focused instead on the previously released starters. What we did get, however, was the announcement of a contest in partnership with Koro Koro to name a new move for Pokemon Sword and Shield. Uh, the move in question will be a special Steel-type move with 140 base power. This is super powerful, but it comes with a heavy drawback, specifically 50% HP recoil, similar to Blacephalon's signature move. Mind blown. The contest to name this move is open to Japanese residents, and the winner will be chosen by the developers, not by popular votes. This is actually the second time Game Freak have done something similar. The last move that was named by the community was actually Draco Meteor back in Generation 4. Uh, guys, how do we feel about this promotion and this move? The promotion's cool. Um, being able to pull in a collaboration of people to name something is pretty neat. I don't like how it's only in Japan, but I guess that makes sense. It's Pokemon's most popular in Japan. But it, we've got a bigger following around the world. I mean, 
the U.S. has fans, Europe has fans, everywhere has fans. I don't know. It'd been cool if they'd opened it up to everyone. It'd, it'd complicate things because it's all different languages, but I don't know. Translators work. Can we please just name that move Clashing Steel? Like, I just, I want it so bad. It's the move that murders dragons and fairies. That's what that button is. <laughs> <laughs> I, we actually had a pretty good discussion about this in the, in the community discord server. I don't know how I feel about this move, like from a competitive standpoint, like steel has always been a type that is like massively powerful defensively, but lacks a lot of offensive presence. And in that way, it's, it's fairly well balanced, although still really powerful. Steel is a very, very good type in the current competitive metagame, giving it a move with this kind of oomph, especially if Z moves carry forward and, and they're available in Galar um, and you can Z with this move it, like that's a huge offensive tool and suddenly it feels like it might throw things out of balance obviously there's a lot of question marks there especially distribution but bear in mind the only like real the only real contemporary this move has is Draco Meteor which is learnable by every fucking dragon type in the game so there's a very real chance that this is going to be widely spread through steel type Pokemon. And if so, like, I don't know how I feel about it from a balanced perspective. I honestly would argue against that. I don't think it's going to be widely spread. Draco Meteor and dragons per se, all they are is offense. They're not defensively heavy, except for some small exceptions. Um, that's, that's not true. Dragons are very bulky and resist a lot of things. Dragons, a good defensive type. Yeah, I mean, for this kind of thing, I don't, I don't know. My gut tells me this is going to be a legendary only move. I don't know why I feel that way. Maybe it's because, what what is it that the uh, Crosma gets? Is it Photon Geyser? Yeah, Photon Geyser or, or some shit like that. Like this just feels like that to me. Mm-hmm. But like, we we won't know till it comes out. Also, we're not going to know what the fucking meta looks like. Like, all of the points that were discussed in the Discord this week, totally valid. At the same time, the prevalence of steel, like, is pretty much because there are so many powerful fairies at the top of the meta currently. Like, the Tapus need checks, which means poison is running around, which also boosts the value of steel. Yeah. That might not be the case in Sword and Shield. Like, we may see a big shift on, you know, what types are the most valuable. And if that's the case, like, this might actually not make much of a, a splash, regardless of what it, what the distribution is. But because everything carries on and on and on and on, it may be a problem later. Yeah, yeah. Well, and again, bear in mind, everything that I'm saying is is heavy speculation because, yeah, we're incredibly early in the release cycle. We have no idea what the Gen 8 metagame is going to look like. We don't know what new things are going to be introduced. For all we know, there's going to be a new type introduced that's good against Steel and Fairy that kind of shifts the balance in general. Like, we just, we, we don't know yet. But as things stand today, looking at it in a vacuum, it, it worries me. That's all. No, no, that that's fair. I just, I... Like I said, I kind of feel like the prevalence of steel at the top of the meta, particularly in Smog on Tears, is is a direct counter to to fairy fairy and dragon who have hydra distribution through OU, and and also to the poison mon that are there to also counter fairies. 
yeah, I mean that's that's valid with as many dragons and fairies as are strong in in OU and Ubers, having steel types that can resist both and threaten the fairies is is real, real good. Now, lastly, guys, following up on last episode's coverage of the Blastburn Radio Community Draft League, our playoffs have progressed at a, at a pretty nice pace. Uh, in the quarterfinals round, Pokey Ranger Pat and his Sin City Giratina eliminated Pegasus and his Dollar Store Dugongs, and Flame and Air and his Windy City Whimsicott eliminated Disco Sniper and his Gengaritars. Uh, so congratulations, Flame and Pat, for making semifinals. In the semifinals round, uh, my Naptown Ninjasks managed to eliminate the Whimsicots, and Penguin Mage's Palm Bay Piplup managed to eliminate the Giratinas. Uh, congratulations, Penguin, on making the finals. Our final match has yet to be played. We've had some difficulty getting it scheduled, but as soon as we have a result, we'll update you guys. Uh, thank you to everyone who participated in Season 1. It has been so much fun seeing this community come together on our draft competition, and good luck in the finals to Penguin Mage. Yeah, good luck. It's been a really good first community draft. It's been awesome to see the level of engagement and enthusiasm everybody's had throughout the whole thing. Like, everybody's been pretty much on their shit. Yeah, it's been it's been real, real good. I'm glad everybody had a really good time, and I think we're all... It's going to be a while, but we're all looking forward to Season 2. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, that's our news for the week, so let's go ahead and, and jump into our, our Nuzlocke gameplay. And this was... A hell of a week of gameplay. It was the third chapter of our Pokemon Heart Gold Soul Silver series. Uh, this chapter saw our challengers head west and south from Ecrotique City, uh, pray to avoid ducks, heal sick and injured cows, battle our way through a very fighty lighthouse, uh, agree to courier medicine, surf across the sea, and finally challenge the hard-bodied Chuck in Cianwood City Gym. Now, as always, Messer Engine was up first to play, so Mess Buddy, how was your week in Nuzlocke gameplay this week? Uh, it was a mixed bag, but mostly uh, okay. We spent a lot of time this week feeling really, really good at the the get go because of like all the gym leaders that we have to face. Like my memories of dealing with Chuck uh, in Gold Silver were pretty good. It, it was pretty easy. Granted, we all had ghosts that time around, uh, which we don't this time. But you know, he's. Fighting is sometimes an easier type to, to work against, especially when there's a lot of flying and psychic stuff around, and we were feeling pretty good about that. We went ahead and uh, wanted to pick up our encounters for the week as soon as possible, and we were really hoping for a Tauros or a mill tank on those early routes, particularly 38 and 39. Instead, we caught a Farfetch'd. Ah, uh, not so great! Uh, Iroh is our, our Farfetch'd, and he is a fly slave at, at this point. And that's what he does. He comes out and don't ask me how he flies me anywhere because he's the size of my shoulder, which is not very large. Uh, we also caught uh, a Meowth on 39, which we named Payday after our good friend, Trainer Mimic, Tom, and his uh, podcast, which I've guested on twice. So shout out to you, Tom. I, you probably didn't catch the stream all the way from England, but we named our Meowth after your show. We did not pick up anything in Olivine City. We did run around and do that good, good lighthouse, which is always slightly confusing. There's a lot of like shoots and ladders in there, but overall it wasn't too bad. And then we surfed our way towards Cianwood and the water routes here were pretty important. There's some interesting stuff that you can get, particularly on Route 41. We caught our obligatory tentacool on 40 and promptly threw it into the bank. 
we may use it at some point, but I have no desire at the moment. And on 41, we shifted routes and immediately pulled out our fishing rod and we caught ourselves a chin chow, a vault absorbed timid chin chow, which was super hype and exciting. And we named her Azula and we threw her on the squad. Not immediately because we needed to get back to a computer, but we were pretty sure that she was coming on the team. Once we got over to Sianwood, it was a question of clearing out the gym. We wanted to hard mode the gym and get those hard mode points, even though there was no, if you recall, bonus for doing so this week. We were all within 60 points of each other at the start of the week, and therefore there was no like extra points for being in second or third, but can't afford to get behind. We found out that there was a hole in our strategy for Chuck, which had been to put the primate to sleep and then bring out Sokka, curse up, and just headbutt our way to victory. While we were doing trainers, we tried to do this to a manky and remembered that mankeys and primates can have vital spirit and cannot be put to sleep. Now, here's where the differences between gold and silver and heart gold, gold, sold silver become very clear, right? There were no abilities in Gen 2. Of course it was a piece of cake. Oh, God, those old games and their non-RPG mechanics. Wonderful. So immediately we were not super jazzed about that and we had to clear out the trainers, which was a lot harder than we thought it was going to be because we couldn't just nap everything and then just come in and, and headbutt it. We immediately had to pivot and change our team up. We needed to do do something. We actually went, we ended up putting Sokka in the bank because our lantern had to come on it. We didn't want to have a ton of, a ton of water. Because Char- because cause hashtag Charleston uh, <laughs> was not something we really wanted to do. So we, we brought him onto the team or her onto the team, I should say. We also went back to Goldenrod City. Instead of picking up our Eevee, we picked up an Abra. Uh, we were doing this on hard, so we couldn't like just psychic or side beam everything to death. But we wanted to have that around for finishing things off if stuff went badly. We did EV train the crap out of both of those. It took forever. But Juan is a good cadaver lad and is very fast and hits very hard because he's got an up special attack nature. Good. We also uh, taught return to our bat because we needed a way for our bat who quad resists fighting to hit something neutral. Because its only options at the time was to wing attack or to bite, which was not very effective, which is really sad. I really wanted to save that return TM, but realistically we needed it. And when we talk about doing Chuck, it's a good thing that I had it. Crobat did not get to put in as much work as I would like. And we'll talk about why here in a little bit, but having the ability to do a chunk of damage off of return did make a difference for us in the battle. We flipped a bunch of stuff around. We were still going to paralyze that primate leech seated to put it on a timer, like, and slowly work our way to the point where we could actually put the, the polyrath to sleep and like whittle it down. That was the, the new plan. And we leveled everybody up and we booked it to the gym and we said, Chuck, get this waterfall off your head. You gonna fight us. And he was like, yeah, all right, I like fighting. This is a fighting gym. This is what we do. And we immediately started on our super plan. We leech seated 
to start. Good, good call. We got the stuns wore off. But here's where everything went to shit, you guys. Primate new fucking double team. And it double teamed four times. It was so hard to hit with anything. Jumpluff stayed out. Icky stayed out. And like I said, got that sun spore off real slow. Got those paras. Great. Leech Seed, it's on a timer. It's going down. We're mega draining it down. Slow, 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 slow. Because poor Icky does not hit very hard. And of course, at some point, we didn't, we failed to kill it and Chuck potioned, which is never great. And we had to do all that again. And about the time we brought it back down to roughly like half, we had a real problem because it turned out that 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 good pig monkey had rock slide. And it had leered me once in this like early fashion where we were just sitting around waiting for it to die. So it leered me once and then it rock slided and it hit real, real hard and brought Icky down to like 40% or so. And I was like, I can't guarantee I'm going to hit it again because of double team four times. And I can't take another rock slide. And I started looking at my team and I was like, Crobat doesn't want to take a rock slide. Quillava doesn't want to take a rock slide. Like nobody on this squad wants to take a rock slide. Like it's all bad all the time. There's nothing good that can come out of this. The only person who can take a rock slide is Boomy, is our graveler. But we know that there's one move, there's one move on this thing that we don't know. It's rock slide, double team, leer, and presumably fighting stab. So if it fighting stabs, Boomy gonna die, like real, real bad. But if it rock slides, Boomy will just shrug it off and it'll be cool. So we bring Boomy out. The pig is paralyzed. It is at 10% or less at this point after leech seed and everything else. It does rock slide. Boomy just shrugs it off. He's like, yeah, whatever. And now I have this moment where I have to decide what to do. And then again, there's a good chance that there's fighting stab here. I'm going to outspeed because para, but I don't know if I can hit because it's, it's not like I, anybody on my team knows swift, like, or a move that's like always going to hit. That isn't super effective. Let's put that out there. So I had to, I had to choose. Do I, I switch back out anticipating the fighting move like into Crobat and just say, ha ha, like you didn't hit me. Or do I just try to finish this thing off? Because you have to understand at this juncture, I can switch back and forth, like anticipating the moves, right? But the fact of the matter is either move is going to kill somebody real bad. Somewhere, and at some point, I'm gonna have to decide to hit a button and try to 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 finish it off, or get to the point where the leech seed finishes it off. I didn't know if he had two potions or not. That would have been like really, really bad. So we decided to go for it. We're gonna magnitude this thing down. We're gonna kill it. And I missed. He focus punched, and he killed Boomy in in one one go, and didn't die from the the fucking leech seed. <laughs> we brought the bat out. We did kill it. It was, it was a good time. Good times were had by all. And then out came the polyrath. And I was like, okay, here's, a, here's what we're going to do. We're going to just reach. We, we've trained for this. We have return on the bat. We're going to just return this thing down, bring it as low as we possibly can, and then see what we want to come out into. And it surfed us. We hit it 
for, I don't know, like 20, 25%. Not enough. That thing was thick with return. And it surfed. And it crit on the surf and brought our bat real, real low. Which was not not where we wanted to be it was definitely not a a shining wonderful moment but the good news is we knew that he was surfing at that point and we went ahead and brought out icky in the hopes that we could just get that resist off and live and then leech seed and put it to fucking sleep and that's exactly what we did and we did manage to slowly whittle that thing down while napping it did wake up for a little bit when we brought out kuvira to like finish it off with brick breaks. But by then it was too late. And that bitch of a polyrath went down. It was really helpful too, because between the berry and potions and everything else, my Heracross had to like put in a lot of work and I, it's been a little bit now, but I am reasonably certain it crit on a brick break and made up for our bat getting crit real bad. So that was really good. We beat Chuck. We got the hard mode points, but we lost a guy. So we really only got normal mode points. We also lost our rock. So uh, explosion and whatchamacallit, the other one, self-destruct, are somewhat of a major concern. We proceeded to do all the EV training in the world and buy some TMs and teach some people some stuff. But yeah, it was not, it was not fantastic. Not great, but not the worst. We still got 30 points. We lost one Mon. Oh, well. I underestimated Chuck and I paid for it. Well, I'm I'm real sorry to hear that mess. What changes did you wind up making to the squad? Who came out of the bank? Obviously, the Cadabra is now on the team. Uh, Pinsir is still on the eight-man squad. Heracross is still on the eight-man squad. Jumpluff is on the eight-man squad. So is Crobat and Quilava. Lantern uh, and our last lad is our Nitto King because we got a Moonstone from Mom and said, "Okay, EV train and special attack, lad, you're gonna come along with us because you get great coverage via TM, and we could use a fully evolved Pokemon with great coverage right now. I don't know if he's gonna stay around long term, but he's definitely a threat. Nitto King's never a Mon that you can sleep on." Yeah, that's more than a little bit terrifying. Well, that's really cool. Like, you've actually put together, like, a, a really good and, and threatening team. I am not looking forward to that. Oh, I'm sure you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I did play second on the week. Actually, I wound up facing Chuck first out of any of us. That's just kind of the way that shook out. But when I picked up gameplay this week, uh, I was all gung-ho to get our encounters. Not not as much maybe as I have been some other weeks. Like, our team was already really strong. Uh, but there were a couple of things on the tables this week that were just, like, really genuinely exciting that I was looking forward to seeing if we could pick up. Chief among them being a Tauros. We missed our opportunity to get a Tauros way back in Pokemon Silver. Wanted to make up for lost time. Uh, so we made our way out to Route 38. We got in that grass, and we encountered a rat. And another rat, and another rat, and another rat, and another rat. We duped out on Rattatas and Raticates, which was real, real unfortunate. We kept going, actually, to be like, okay, well, what, what would our encounter number six have been? What would our number seven have been? We got like 12 rats before we got anything else, you guys. So it just was not in the cards. It was not happening. There was never a chance that anything but rats were coming to us on that route. 
So that was real frustrating and real unfortunate, but you know, it's, it's fine. It's whatever. Uh, we made our way uh, around and down to route 39, slaughtering everything in front of us, got in that patch of grass. And for a second there, it looked like history was going to repeat itself. We encountered at least three Rattatas and Raticates right off the jump in route 39 before finally we found a cow. It's not the boy cow. It's the girl cow. We managed to whittle her down and catch her, and we named her Doja because she go moo. And she's a real good milk cow. Um, it's not a mom that I was particularly looking for, but it's one that I'm really excited to have. And actually, we've got her on the squad for right now. I'm not sure if she's going to stay there. Like, I'm kind of skeptical, but she was too cool of a pickup not to use. So we're going to give her a shot. We also made our way into Olivine City and, and did all the usual Olivine City stuff. Uh, we caught up with our rival, who's still a colossal douche. Uh, we made our way through the lighthouse, which is really, really cool in, in the DS versions. Like, I think that it's really aesthetically good in a way that it wasn't on Game Boy Color. And I don't feel that way about a lot of things in this game. Not that they're not good, but much like when we played Fire Red Leaf Green and the Sleep Lock, I don't feel like they're necessarily better than the originals just because they're high resolution, if that makes sense, most of the time. But I actually really, really like the Olivine Lighthouse. I thought it was really, really well done. Made our way to the top, hung out with Jasmine, and then went on our merry way. Um, we also picked up a Tentacool on Route 40. We also have absolutely no intention of using that good jellyfish, uh, so he lives in the bank now. And we picked up a Shelter on Route 41, which was real, real exciting. We got Cooter! And Cooter's a really dope encounter. I'm not sure if Cooter's going to see use when we have a water starter like in the back, but I'm real excited to have it as an option. And maybe by the end of the series, anything can happen. We made our way to Cienwood City and we prepped for Chuck. Now, my thought process going into Chuck, Chuck is a very, very offensively threatening gym leader. Focus Punch is disgustingly strong it's a 150 base power move but it only goes off if you fail to hit it you know chuck's got a number of gimmicks to keep you from from hitting him i didn't honestly even know if his prime ape knew focus punch i had no idea what that thing was packing on its move set but even in generation two he would use hypnosis focus punch on his polyrath so i was pretty sure that's kind of what we had in store for us on that thing so my strategy going into chuck we decided we wanted to hard mode it because there is no points gap and we could maintain our lead by getting a hard mode victory. And so the thought process was we were going to lead with Stampy, our executor. We were going to put the primate to sleep, hit it with some leech seeds, put a reflect up, and then we were going to switch into Charleston, our Jolteon, just so that we could guarantee outspeed everything Chuck had and hit it real, real hard. Uh, we were going to try to KO Primeape with Charge Beam and ideally get a boost so that we could run right through that Polyrath with Shadow Ball and ensure that it can't like threaten us really uh that was the hope it was kind of a risky plan honestly charleston is not exactly a bulky boy but fighting types are generally not very specially defensive it, we, again we knew that he was fast he was fast enough and strong enough that he should be able to just kind of run through and that was kind of a risk that we were willing to take I was also bamboozled. Uh, number one, for the same reason Mess was, I did not remember that Primeape could have Vital Spirit and thus be immune to sleep. Unlike Mess, however, I did not discover this against a trainer. I went into the Chuck battle, got yelled at for interrupting his special waterfall time, attempted to sleep powder that Primeape, and that Primeape went, no bitch, I'm not sleepy, also double team. Fuck you. So... 
is at plus one evasion in front of me with absolutely no momentum on turn one. So that was terrifying. So I'm like, shit, shit, what do I do? What do I do? So I start clicking Leech Seed just to try to start getting some sort of damage off on it before its evasion gets too high. That wound up being really, really wise because it sat there and double teamed on me like four or five times. It was nuts. But I was able to land the Leech Seed the second or third time I clicked it, which was a big relief because now at least I was doing damage. And I was able to get a Reflect up as well. Uh, The whole time it's just rock sliding. And thankfully... With our big bulky executor behind a reflect, that rock slide wasn't really doing more than we were healing with leech seed. Like we were maintaining really, really well. So I was like, okay, focus punch is still a concern. I don't know how hard a resisted focus punch is going to hit me behind a reflect. Like don't get me wrong, it's resisted and Stampy is super duper fat, but focus punch is strong. But much like mess, the only move that I had that could hit it 100% of the time was Aerial Ace, which I'm doing a hard mode gym. I can't click Aerial Ace. So I was like, okay, we're just going to stay in with Stampy and we're going to click Bullet Seed. As long and as often as we can. And so that's what we do. Um, we just stay in, we let Leech Seed tick, and we spam Bullet Seed, only stopping to, to reapply Reflect when it wears off. Uh, we only hit a couple of them, but Primate didn't actually start clicking Focus Punch until it ran itself all the way to, to plus six evasion and all the way out of rock slides. And when it did start clicking focus punch, it actually, it did hit harder than the rock slide, but not by very much. We were still eating them very, very well. Uh, and so in a display that surely would have made mess proud if he was in the audience, I sat there and let Leech Seed slowly but surely whittle that primate down through two hyper potions all the way to death. So now I'm sitting here with this executor in front of this polyrath and this is concerning because again this guy doesn't necessarily have better options to hit me but he could he could have ice punch i have no way of knowing what his moveset is i don't know what he has for coverage but he could reasonably hit me with ice punch so i'm like well shit i need to get a leech seat up first and foremost i have to get a leech seat up so that we're dealing damage before it puts me to sleep if it's able to put me to sleep so i apply to leech seed and I took a body slam from it. So it's AI was telling it to body slam, not to surf and not to focus punch. And we were still eating it really, really good. And so I was just like, well, shit, I guess we're doing this, huh? And so I sat there and I sleep powdered and I reflected and I leech seeded to burn PP and never once clicked bullet seed because that would have been bad fucking news bears. And once again, I just allowed leech seed to do what it does. Uh, Stampy was just real, real fat and was able to sit there derpily in front of all of Chuck's Pokemon and say, herder, I'm a tree and nothing could really hurt him. This was not the strategy that I brought in. This was not what I was expecting to do. But sometimes life throws you an audible and you realize you've got a fat, dumb tree that takes no damage. So that's what we did. Again, Polyrath started focus punching after a while and we still ate those respectably well. It was stacking enough damage that we were probably going to have to switch Stampy out. Uh, but the Leech Seed did its business before that became a necessity. And so Stampy single-handedly rolled through Chuck and earned us 50 big hard mode points. 
And that was our week. Like it was really a, a pretty simple and a pretty short one. Uh, again, we had to train Doja and get her leveled up. Um, but we leveled the team and we're ready for PvP. It's, it's a pretty similar team to what we brought last week. The only substitution was Benedict the Togetic coming out in favor of Doja the Miltank. But I feel pretty good about it. This team has been really, really effective for us. And, you know, why, why spit on what's working, right? Yeah, absolutely. Glad you're using the cow because we've never seen one on the series before. You know, that was a big factor for me. Like, I honestly, I still think that Togetic might have better filled that role, but I've ran a Togekiss. SpongeBob was a real good boy. He was, I, I mean, really. I don't know if I would say he's iconic of my Platinum series, but only because my Platinum series was full of such good Mon. But yeah, I've run the Togepi family before. None of us have ever run a Miltank. Uh, so she deserves her chance. And if she turns out to be real bad, then maybe Benedict will come back out. But uh, of course, I was not the last person to play on this week, and that is incredibly literal this time. Celeste also had to face her own gauntlet and, and her own bamboozles and surprises against Chuck. Celeste, how was your week in Nuzlocke gameplay this week? So the first uh, stream session, I kind of just needed a slow session, so I had planned on just getting encounters and then EV training what I had gotten, as well as the Pokemon that I had left over on my team that needed some EVs still. And that went okay. Um, it wasn't the best. So in our encounters, we went to Route 38 and ran into a Magnemite, which is pretty dope. No one else encountered that this uh, season on that route or or Route 39. So I'm excited to use it. Um, we named him Salvatore. On Route 39, it was kind of sad. We just ended up dupesing out. No cow or anything. Just nothing caught. We went down to Olivine City and caught a tentacle from there. Um, I should have grabbed it at Route 40. I don't know why I didn't. So I didn't catch anything on Route 40. Um, went down to Route 41. And I went fishing as well. And the first thing I threw out, I pulled up a lantern, which was pretty awesome because it was a Volt Absorb as well. And I was pretty excited. I EV trained it. I spent some time. Ended the night with it fully EV trained. And then the next week rolled on, and I ended up getting sick that Thursday, so I couldn't stream. And I, so I'd planned on streaming Friday and then some today. And then Callie's car ended up having to be towed <laughs> to our place. Um, it's sitting in our garage, uh, unoperable at the moment. And I didn't get home until like 9.30 from that. So I started the stream late, was feeling very pressured and rushed, and regretting that I decided to take a slow stream the week before. And was completely rushed to get through. Got four Pokemon to 30. Figured Chuck only had two Pokemon. I didn't really do my diligent research on what abilities those Pokemon could have or what moves they might have. I know Ice Punch was a thing, thanks to Jolly and Mez mentioning it. But beyond that, I just didn't have a plan. I was like, I've got two Psychic Mon that resist. I've got some good moves to throw at it. I've got a slow king that can pretty much almost destroy everything with surf. And so I go into the gym. The first freaking Pokemon that I go to clear <laughs> in the trainers was that Hitmonlee and it focused energy. Something I forget what went wrong, but I couldn't kill it fast enough. And it started stacking attack ups. And by the third attack up, I was like, Panicked, switched to my Crobat, hit it with Wing Attack, 
killed it, and then realized the oh shit of what I did because I didn't declare anything. Didn't declare easy mode, didn't declare hard mode. I just knew that I most likely would have had the intention of hard mode and wasn't thinking. So, yeah, those points are gone. Finished clearing out the gem. It was pretty easy with um, Mal just surfing everything to death. Should have done that in the beginning. And then we pulled the waterfall off of Chuck um, after getting everything leveled properly. Um, except for two Pokemon. I don't know why I didn't do it. I was rushed. I guess this was just a tilt night for me. <laughs> But um, we had our Slowking leveled, our Crobat leveled, our Executor leveled, and our Lantern, actually. Yeah. And then we had our Butterfree and our Starter at level 25 because, yeah, I was rushed. And we went into this fight. I figured it was going to be not too bad. I surfed on the first turn. Mankey went down to, like, 20%. So I click Surf again. Instead of what, instead of it getting hit by Surf, he hard swaps into his Polyrath. It absorbs the water. I'm like, fuck. So I yawn to put it to sleep. It actually misses its first hypnosis. That was really good. I felt some good momentum. It was asleep. I switched an Executor. The yawn didn't go off yet, so it put the Executor to sleep. And so both were asleep. And then it woke up before my Executor. I tried a couple more turns, took a bunch of damage, did not wake up, and that's where things started going south. I switched into our lantern to try to mitigate some stuff with confusion, as well as stockpile to take some hits. That didn't go too well. I took more damage than I did, and it was just a tilt of swapping to try to save everything. And then... At one point, there was a time where I should have swapped out of Lantern when it was focus punched. I didn't. Lantern got hit from almost full health to down to zero, and it was gone. And full tilt hit. <laughs> After that, I had my uh, execute out to try to kill it. It finally woke up. It did some damage. The uh, polygraph got healed. Fuck. I started panicking again. I hit the wrong button. I hit a button that didn't do anything, which cost me a lot. And eventually the executor went down as well. Not my night. We did manage to get a polygraph down. Execute was still up when the polygraph went down. But then comes out the mankey. It finishes off executor. I throw out my butterfree. Butterfree gets rock slided. I throw out my starter. My starter gets murdered. So we're four down. I have Mal left and a very, very low Zubat. And it was rock sliding, so I couldn't go into Zubat. I had to go stay in Mal. And Mal had like 22 HP. It rock slides. It knocks Mal to one HP. Mal's paralyzed from a body slam earlier. It fights through the paralyze, kills the Mankey, saves the run. And yeah, I know that was a mess but it was last night was a blur i apologize but that's the gist of it I, it was a crazy crazy fight that i tilted really hard on and lost a lot the entire gym was just a giant tilt from the start to the end and then in order to recover we dipped into the extra routes of 47 48 and the safari zone and we lucked out when we uh dipped into Cliff Cave, just going, trying to get to the Safari Zone, we ran into a Mischievous. 
I didn't even know it was there. It was like 5% encounter. It just appeared as our first encounter. We caught it. I named it Margarita. I'm very excited to use it once we can evolve it. And I'm actually using it right now because it's one of my better options, even though it's not evolved yet. We caught a Gloom on Route 47. I was very sad because we've had a chance for a Fire Doggo or even a Tauros. Didn't catch those. In the Safari Zone, we tried in the Savannah for a Tauros. That night, I caught a Nidorina. I already have a Nidorina female. I couldn't remember, so I walked out without thinking. Relinquishing my 25 balls that I hadn't used to check my computer... And it indeed was dupes. And then after talking to Mez and Jolly, they said I could walk back in. I only get the 25 balls that I didn't use. And I caught a Rhydon, which is pretty hype. That'll be an interesting encounter once I can get that leveled. And yeah, so for our team, we ended up <laughs> big shakeups because lots of things died. We have our Slowking, our Heracross, our Graveler, our Crobat, our Umbreon still on it. But we also have Mistrevis, Magneton, and Jump Bluff on our team now. With lots of status to be spread around by lots of different things. All the death. Yeah. All the death and all the tiredness and all the crazy randomness of my life. <laughs> I was watching that fight this morning when I got up. And, like, if I hadn't known, like, when I started watching that you hadn't wiped, the entire time I was watching, I would have thought that that was it. Oh, it was, it was most definitely a wipe. That one HP living and then fighting through pair was super clutch. It's... <sighs> And I totally get it because I certainly feel the same impulse, but like the impulse when something is super low on health and things are starting to go downhill to be like, oh, I have to switch and save it. Like you're, you're lining yourself up for a wipe and it really, really almost happened this time. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just got to let it go. And I, I get that that's really hard in that moment, especially when you're starting to tilt, but sometimes you just got to let that thing go so you can get something else in for free. I got to protect all my children's though. That's a good way to lose all of the children, though. <laughs> I know. He's sad. All them kids. Uh, I'm I'm real sorry to see Bayleaf go. Although, it, uh, this does mean that Mojito is the one true Meganium. <laughs> yeah, and hopefully next week I'll be more coherent while recording, so I will be able to give more detail without going off the rails as much as I did tonight. Well, you know, stuff happens. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that was our weekend gameplay, and uh, there are certainly some good friends that will not be joining us as we head onward and upward to Mahogany Town. The Doom Gong this week? The Doom Gong this week, absolutely. Uh, Mess Celeste, you want to take a few minutes to say goodbye to your children? Yeah, I guess I'll go first. I had less death this week. Hey, Boomy, you're a Geodude. You did what Geodudes do. Disappoint me. I'm sorry. That happened. You took a focus punch to the face real bad, which is not a surprise. But in, in coming in for that rock slide, you did save the team. So thanks for that. I don't know if I'm going to miss you until something explodes in my face, but we'll see. TBD. We'll revisit Boomy's death in the final episode and see if uh, I missed him or not. <laughs> All right, Tilla Harl, you were my starter. Um, you were a bulky, bulky, awesome, versatile Pokemon that could do a lot of things, including setting walls and causing chaos, and I'm really sad to see you go from my team. You were probably going to go with me all the way to Elite Four just because you were my starter and you had so many different uses. Tavires, uh, I'm sorry, rocks, dumb Pokemon sending you out 
to rocks for no real reason other than the die. Because I was tilted. That was my fault. You should be in the bank living right now, but yeah, I was dumb. Your death shouldn't have happened. That ugh. To Amizel, my executor, you were going to go so far. I apparently have really bad luck and can only have executor, executor for one week, and then they go away. The first one got bit to death by the rival's totodile. And then this one just got destroyed by me tilting really hard. Um, Yeah, I'm sorry. And then the big star, I should have swapped you out. That was real dumb of me not to. I let you take a focus punch thinking you were tanky enough. And we proved that you were not. And you were going to be a lot of fun to use. Um, type immunities that are abilities are probably one of my favorite things on things. Because it's just on Pokemon. Because it just adds more depth to those Pokemon. Like Lantern it was a cool Pokemon to use in Gen 4. And I think I had one in Gen 4. No, Gen 3. But I didn't have Volt Absorb. And it was going to be really cool to use that. But sadly, we couldn't. And yeah. Yay, Tilt. I feel like every season we get more and more bitter with our death recaps. <laughs> yeah. I still try to emotionally connect to my team. Mess is over here like you were a tool and you failed me. I have no use for broken tools. I'm too tired. Well, all Geodude's Gravelers and Golems are plan B. And that's exactly what Boomy was. <laughs> I will say, after six series, I'm a little sick of the Geodude line, and of the fucking Magikarp line, and of the fucking Zubat line. I'm ready to go back to Unova. Uh, I'm not ever ready to do that, but, you know, I hear ya. I'm not disagreeing with your point here, but, yeah, I, I don't want to go back to Unova either. I want to go nowhere. That's the real truth. I just want to be a curmudgeon and stay home. <laughs> Live in a world of just my house. So you want to be Nanu living in a house with his 50 meows? Yeah, that sounds accurate and correct. All right, guys. Well, that was our week in gameplay. But as always, we weren't playing alone. Uh, so let's take a few moments to check in with our friends. Uh, our first email this week comes from a new listener, Brad, though not the Brad of the bad variety. Mess, would you read Brad's email for us, please? Dear Lords and Lady of Nuzlocks. I found your podcast only a little over a month ago, and I have been having so much fun listening through from the beginning and gradually getting caught up. I'm only at the beginning of Sinnoh so far, but I'm really enjoying all of your episodes. Celeste, I hope your Stealth Rocks Piplup ends up taking you all the way to the top 10. Hashtag <laughs> Team Celeste. No spoilies! Uh... <laughs> You three have inspired me to start my very first Nuzlocke run, which I did in Ultra Moon, a game I didn't enjoy too much the first time through. I just recently beat the Elite Four with a team of Pokemon I would have never thought to use otherwise, and it's been my favorite part. My roster at the end was Jaboon, the Wishikash, uh, Torpedo, the Torkoal, Slushy, the Alolan Sandslash, Koosh, the Primeape, Pagliacci, the Mr. Mime, and my new favorite Pokemon and the MVP of the team, Bushi, the totem-sized Alolan Raticate. I'm now trying to get caught up in the podcast in time to play Black and uh, Black 2 and White 2 so that I can play along with you guys in the only Pokemon games I disliked so much that I never finished them. Uh, 
I'm hoping that doing a Nuzlocke in Black 2, White 2, along with you guys and girl, will breathe new life into Unova for me and give me a new appreciation for those games. Keep up the amazing work, Brad. Oh, thank you, Mess. And thank you very much, Brad. I'm glad that your Nuzlocke was able to help you enjoy a game that you didn't love the first time around. They're really good at making you see and play Pokemon in a different way from a different angle. So that's really awesome. Our next email this week comes from community member Eros Farron. Uh, Celeste, would you read their email for us, please? Sure. Hello, BBR crew. While I am far behind your group in the rotations, but I can give a small update for everything. As far as the cycles go, I am currently in Ilex Forest on my way to the Murder Cow. But I luckily have not had any major team shakeups, minus the loss of Laexus the Geodude. I look forward to catching up with you in the future. While I'm not doing the challenge alongside anyone, it's still fun to do a challenge outside of my usual Wonderlock. My current team is Leia the Quilava, Hawthorne the Pidgey, Marluxia the Bellsprout, Kaybora the Hoot Hoot, Arthas the Ghastly, and a, to- a Togepi Egg. I have yet to come up with a video game character to call Togepi when it hatches, so I am up for suggestions. Until next time, I am out. Well, thank you, Celeste, and thank you very much, Eros. I'm glad that you're having a good time playing along. Good luck against Whitney. Uh, you just might need it. She's a bit of a ride. As far as your your Togepi is concerned, if you're looking for a video game character, I would recommend Birdo, just because Egg. <laughs> just because Egg. Oh, fucking Birdo. And the... Birdo is a weird thing, you guys. Like, it shoots eggs from its mouth, and that can only mean one thing to me, and it weirds me the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> now I just have the Birdo boss music stuck on my head from frickin' Super Mario Brothers 2. The the name we used to give Birdo in college was Blowjob Yoshi. <laughs> <laughs> now our next email comes from our good buddy Pat, uh, writing in for his group this week. I'll go ahead and read Pat's email. He writes, Jolly Mess and Celeste. This cycle has been a monster. Lots of fun encounters, a couple surprises, and a big man under a bisected dick waterfall who doesn't understand that sitting in water has nothing to do with Pokemon. Uh, So let's get the easy stuff out of the way. All three of us gave Chuck a dicking. Beat him good, no deaths. That's not to say there were no deaths this week. I, while grinding, forgot to heal my party, encountered a Tentacruel by Cianwood, got wrapped and trapped, and then bubble beamed to death. Rest in peace, Los Angeles, the coughing. Encounter-wise, we all got mill tanks somehow or another. Uh, Bliss picked up a shelter on Route 41, while Aliara and I both grabbed Mantine. Other than that, not a whole lot interesting, except that there was. Uh, this was a week of destiny for both Bliss and I. Early in the cycle, while grinding on Tintas, Bliss encountered something very green. A shiny Tentacruel has forced his way onto Bliss's team, whom he named Veer. Then, late this cycle, as I was grinding my Magnemite in the Slowpoke well, I was bequeathed a shiny pink Slowpoke, now a regal girl Slowking, who I named Salvadora. She is beautiful, and I love her greatly. Now we just need Aliara to get a shiny Watermon, and we will complete the trio. PvP-wise, we've done two-thirds of our matches. So far, Aliara has dominated Bliss, and Bliss was able to sneak out a couple of wins against me. We'll get myself versus Aliara by the next cycle. In their standings, Aliara is still in first, with Bliss right on his tail, and Pat trailing significantly, still reeling from his recent wipes. You're welcome for the minimal dick puns this cycle. They will be back soon. Sincerely, the Three Dicketeers. 
Thank you very much, Pat. It's awesome that you guys have gotten really cool and interesting shinies. It's always nice when someone gets an actually good shiny. I'm looking at you, Doofington. Uh, now lastly this week brought an email from public nuisance number one pegasus mess do you want to read peg's email for us please yeah sure peg says hey all it's peg remember me it's been a minute world tour is out the window unfortunately a mix of life getting in the way and horrible luck i was part of a trio for the hard gold soul silver but tech issues rendered my save trapped on a malfunctioning device i still wanted to write in though so I decided to try and do a Nuzlocke of one uh, of the games I didn't play along with. I chose Black and White just because I hadn't played it much since childhood. No healing either. Can't have y'all calling me a coward. I picked up White and I chose Oshawa. I don't have a formal status report because my device isn't on me, but I am four badges in with three deaths. I'll have more details next show. For now, good luck in PvP. May the best man, Mez, win. Peg out. Well, thanks, Peg. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but I appreciate the the kind words. <laughs> Thank you, Pegasus, you little shit. Uh, good luck in Unova, buddy. Uh, now, if you are a proud member of the Blasphemer Nation like Peg, Brad, Eros, or Pats, uh, and you're playing along with us at home or just following the show, we do want to hear from you. Be sure to get at us by email or through social media, and we'll share your messages with our community, because at the end of the day, we're all in this together. Now, guys, it is... As always, that time, and coming into PvP after our third week of gameplay, Celeste remains in third, her punishing week of gameplay leaving her with quite the uphill struggle. Uh, she brings in her score of 210 points. In second, we have Messer Engine bringing in a score of 330. Remaining in first is myself, my perfect week allowing me just a little bit of breathing room with a score of 390. Now, as always, last week's big winner must defend the stick first. And once again, that was myself. Messer Engine, I challenge you. Joy. All right, guys. Well, here we go. So in the gold corner, we have BBR Jolly leading out with Chocodile, his for alligator. In the silver corner, we have Mezzer Engine leading with Icky, his jump bluff. Are you two ready? Yep. Let's go. All right, you may two begin. Icky leads with Sleep Powder, putting Chocodile to sleep. It had a Chesto Berry and wakes up and tries using Ice Fang, but Icky dodges the attack. Well, that was a sad turn of events. <sighs> Just... Of course, of course it did. Icky uses Sleep Powder again. Chocodile is now asleep and does not have a berry this time. BBR Jolly switches into Beetleborg, who takes a Leech Seed on a switch. Leech Seed does a little bit of damage, knocking it to 89%. A Stun Spore from Icky paralyzes Beetleborg, but Beetleborg has a berry to clear, clear that status, and it uses Rock Tomb, which is a super effective critical hit one-shotting Icky. And I'm pretty sure that crit mattered because Rock Tomb is a pretty weak move. Out comes Zaheer, the Crobat for Mezzer Engine. And BBR Jolly switches back into Chocodile, taking a wing attack on the switch. Chocodile is at 76% health and still sleeping. A return from Zaheer knocks Chocodile down to 43% health. And then it wakes up, uses Ice Fang, hits Zaheer down to 48% health, and freezes it. That was justice. <laughs> 
I mean, I guess. You did just get a crit on your fucking rock tomb and a freeze. Mesurgeon switches into Azula, his lantern. It takes a ice fang on the switch for 10% of its health. Bigger Raleigh switches into Charleston, his Jolteon, who takes a surf on the switch, knocking it down to 54% health. A shadow ball from Charleston hits Azula for 31% of its health, it's at 59%. Another surf hits Charleston down to 14%. Another Shadow Ball hits Azula down to 33%. It has a Citrus Berry. It's now at 58%, and it finishes off Charleston with a Surf. Beetleborg comes out for BBR Jolly. A Headbutt from Beetleborg hits Azula for 25% of its health. It's now at 33%. And a Thunder from Azula misses Beetleborg. A Brick Break from Beetleborg finishes off Azula. Out comes Wan, the Kadabra for Mezzer Engine. A Psybeam from Wan... Finishes off Beetleborg. Out comes Beverly for BBR Jolly, his Fira. And Mezzer Engine switches into Zaheer, his Crobat. Taking a U-turn for 6% of its health. It is still frozen. Chocodile comes out for BBR Jolly. Zaheer stays frozen, and Chocodile uses agility, doubling its speed. An Ice Frank from the uh, Chocodile finishes off Zaheer. Kuvira, Mezzer Engine's Heracross comes out. And BBR Jolly switches in the Cosmo, his Arcanine, who lowers Kavira's attack with Intimidate, and then a Brick Break from Kavira hits Cosmo down to 73%. Mesurgeon switches in the Batar, his Nidoking, and Cosmo misses with a Fire Blast. A Surf from Batar hits Cosmo down to 17% health, triggers his Berry, and he's now at 37% health. Fire Blast from Cosmo hits Batar for 82% of its health, it heals up a bit from its citrus berry. It's at 43% now. Out comes Doja, the mill tank for BBR Jolly. It takes a surf on the switch. It's at 74% health. A Zen headbutt from Doja hits Batar for the rest the remaining bits of its health. Out comes Kavira from Mezzer Engine. BBR Jolly switches back into Cosmo, lowering Kavira's attack. It uses a rock tomb, hitting Cosmo down to 11% health and lowering its speed. A headbutt from Kavira finishes off Cosmo. Out comes Beverly, the Firo, for BBR Jolly. A pluck from Beverly one-shots the poor Heracross. And it also steals and eats the Citrus Berry, but it didn't matter because it was at 100% health. Wan comes out from Mezzer Engine, and a U-turn one-shots Wan. Good game. Good game, Mess. That was genuinely terrifying. I wasn't sure that I had that one, like, till the very end. Nah. You were good. That was a crazy RNG battle on both sides. That was the biggest emotional roller coaster in my <laughs> life. When you clicked Sleep Powder into my chesto berry and then I missed with Ice Fang. That was literally <laughs> the worst. I figured that you had a Lumberry, but I mean, gotta can't waste free opportunity for status. Mm-hmm. Nope, not even a little bit. Well, good game, Mess. Uh, as always, Loser gives up the stick, and that means that our second match of the night will be myself taking on Celeste Lost. Mester Engine, the mic is yours. Okie dokie. This match is starting off similarly to ours, with uh, Chocodile, the Feraligator, leading over on Jolly's Corner, and the Tink, the Jump Pluff, leading for Celeste. Uh, are you two ready to go? Yep. Let's go. All right, you may begin. Sleep Powder on Chocodile from Tink puts that for Alligator to sleep, but it wasn't holding a Lumberry today, so it's napping. 
You know, I specifically didn't give Chocodile a Chesto Berry because I thought there's no way in hell you do that after you just saw me punish Mess for it. But here we are. I mean, sleep is valuable <laughs> either way, and if it's a Lumberry, get rid of it. Yeah. Tink uses Stun Spore, expecting the switch, which doesn't happen, and therefore it misses because Chocodile is still sleeping. That's fair. Tink drops a leech seed onto the Chocodile, who wakes up and uses agility, so it's real, real fast now. The Ice Fang comes in to Tink, bringing it down uh, a bit. After the Leech Seed and the Yacha Berry, which reduced that damage, it's at 55% and Chocodile is at 77%. So that's why you didn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> All right. A crunch ah, predicted from well. ah. Chocodile after Leech Seed brings Tink down to 32%. But Tink did get that Sleep Powder back off and Chocodile is asleep. Eat the Johto special. The balls. The balls on this woman. <laughs> a Mega Drain from Tink drops Chocodile to 36%, 25% after Leech Seed, and Tink is back up to 56%. Another Mega Drain drops Chocodile, and Tink is at pretty healthy at 66%. Uh, that worked. <sighs> Who's Jolly going to send out to deal with the good blueberry? Out comes Charleston the Jolteon. Charleston misses with Thunder and Tink paralyzes Charleston. Not a good thing for that electric doggo not to be real fast. <sighs> Out comes Salvatore the uh, Magneton for Celeste. It takes a Thunder on the switch and drops to 24% on a not very effective hit. Ouchie. Could have fooled me. A flash cannon, which is resisted by Charleston, hits him, bringing him down to 72%. Charleston uses Charge Beam and finishes off that good Magneton and gives Charleston a special attack boost. Not that he probably needed it. Out comes Adele for Celeste the Graveler, here to mock me. And out comes Stampy, the executor for Jolly. Adele tries to use Rock Blast uh, on that switch, but it misses. And Tink comes back out for Celeste. It takes the Sleep Powder on the switch in, and now it's Tink's turn to be napping. Ha! Fuck you! Out comes Valvatorez, the Crobat for Celeste, and Stampy puts up a Light Screen. Out comes Charleston for Jolly. It takes a Wing Attack on the switch in. It's brought down to 21%. That was off a crit, by the way, folks. And Charleston takes another one of those and goes down. There is a, two or five more turns on that light screen. Probably two. Out comes Cosmo for Jolly by Nature, the Arcanine. Uh, it intimidates on its way in, bringing the attack of Valvatorez down. Out comes Adele the Graveler uh, to take a Fire Blast on the switch in. Uh, and it it does a shit ton of damage, bringing Adele down to 21% and burning that rock, which is very unfortunate. Another Fire Blast from Cosmo drops Adele. Out comes Mao, the Slow King. The King of the Slow. Stampy comes out for Jolly, takes a Surf on the switch in, is now at 78%. It drops a uh, light screen on on its first turn out, but takes a fire blast 
After eating its citrus berry, it is at 51%, but that fire blast did burn. Stampy utilizes leech seed on Mao, and Mao surfs. Stampy is now at 39%, and burn Mao is at 88%, and leech seed. Valvatorez comes back out for Celeste. It comes into a bullet seed, which it don't care much about. Even though it hits five times, Valvatorez is at 95%, and after the burn, Stampy is at very low. I couldn't see it because it went away so fast. Out comes Cosmo for Jolly. It jumps into a confused ray, however, and is confused. Valvatorez is, of course, intimidated by that good doggo. The bat goes out and the sweet Mao comes back in. It comes into a flame wheel. Mao doesn't take much from that. He's at 76%. Cosmo is still confused and at 100%. Executor comes back out for Jolly, but it takes a surf on the switch in and is dropped. A critical hit surf. Doja the Mill Tank coming to save the day out against Mao. Crobat comes out for Celeste, takes a body slam on the switch in, is down to 51%. Delvatorius confuses Doja. Doja punches itself in the face and is at 92%. Arcanine comes out for Jolly, and again, doing this intimidation dance with the bat. The bat uses wing attack, bringing Cosmo down a bit. Again, it ducked out uh, for Doja before I could read that percentage. Doja is back out and confused yet again. Valvatoris comes out for the good buggo friend, the Heracross, Etna, and Cosmo comes in for Jolly, intimidating that buggo. Out comes Mao once more, the Slow King. It does not get hit by a Fire Blast from Cosmo, so got in for free. Cosmo is at 85% now, and Mao is at 76%. Doja comes back out for Jolly, but takes a Surf on the way in and is at 39%. A Body Slam from Doja brings Mao down to 43%, but Mao uses Surf and gets a critical hit again and drops Doja. The king ain't having none of it. He didn't live on one HP to die here. Out comes Beetleborg, the Heracross for Jolly. Out comes Tink, the very, very sleepy Jumpluff who takes a headbutt on the switch in is at 35% and napping. Tink is still napping uh, and takes an aerial ace. He has been dropped. Out comes Valvatorez, uh, the, the bat. And as you expected, here comes the Intimidate Doggo uh, and the Confuse Ray from the Bat. We've been on the screen so many times. Valvatorez utilizes Wing Attack and brings Cosmo's health down a little bit and it also punches itself in the face, bringing itself down to 57%. Out comes Etna uh, oh, for damn. Celeste, but it switches into a Fire Blast and that hurts real, real bad. Out comes Mao uh, once more for Celeste. The confusion has dropped on Cosmo. Fire Blast from Cosmo is a crit, bringing Mao down to 9%. Uh, Mao gets the surf off, though, and drops Cosmo, leaving Jolly just with Beetleborg. It headbutts Mao, but now it has to face off against the Speedy Bat. The Speedy Speedy Bat, uh, who is likely to murder it. Good game, fucking Celeste. Good lord. That was very good. Good game. Good game, Celeste. Oof. That bat coming in hype.
Uh, that was so many predictions that I was really worried not working. Really good game, Stephen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you leaned into those predictions hard, which again worked. You predicted well, but God, fuck the the balls on this woman <laughs> making some of those predictions. Jesus Christ! I have those removed though. <laughs> well, that leaves me one and one on the week, taking my first L on the series, and that leaves us with our final match of the evening: Celeste versus Messer Engine. I mean, Celeste in her gold corner is leading out with Fenric, her Umbreon, against Messer Engine, leading out with Icky, his Jumpluff. Are you ready? Yep. You are. All right, you may begin. Okay, and on turn one, Mess immediately hard-swapped out of Icky into Kuvira, his Heracross. Uh, Fenric the Umbreon uses Confuse Ray, so now we have us a, a very confused Bugo friend. And Kuvira is, in fact, very confused because it immediately punches itself in the face for 20%. Uh, that is the hazard of being a strong, strong buggo. Fenric also uses Attract. He is a sexy fox. So Kuvira is attracted and confused and all sorts of discombobulated. Yeah, it sounds like my life. Oh, boy. Why did you punch yourself in the face? I'm not a fan. And Kavira comes back out in favor of Zaheer the Crobat at the same time that Fenric the Umbreon comes back in favor of Tink the Jumpluff. And Tink comes right back out in favor of Fenric the Umbreon, not liking what that good blueberry sees. Uh, it swaps into a wing attack from Zaheer for 17%. Zaheer outspeeds and uses Confuse Ray, so Fenric is confused. Uh, Fenric eats a Lumberry, though, so Fenric is no, says, no, I am not confused. Uh, Fenric also uses a Confuse Ray, and Zaheer is, in fact, genuinely confused. All kinds of confusion. And Zaheer goes to withdraw, but Fenric actually uses Pursuit uh, with the boosted damage from landing on a withdrawing opponent, deals 25% of Zaheer's health, but Kuvira the Heracross gets in for free. And predictably, Fenric the Umbreon comes back out in favor of Valvatore as the Crobat swaps in on a quad-resisted Brick Break for only 11%. And Kuvira comes back out in favor of Batar the Nidoking, uh, who switches into a crit wing attack for 60% of his health. Uh, he does eat a Citrus Berry and is back up to 65. That didn't feel good at all. That crit mattered like a motherfucker. Valvatore as the Crobat comes back in favor of Fenric the Umbreon. Fenric switches into a Blizzard from Batar, which could have been potentially devastating, but it missed. Batar going for the much safer Surf this time instead, dealing 22% to Fenric. Uh, Fenric uses Confuse Ray. Batar is now, in fact, confused. Uh, Batar goes to withdraw, and once again, Fenric clicks Pursuit, dealing 28% to the Nidoking on the swap. Zaheer the Crobat gets in for free. And Zaheer outspeeds with Confuse Ray, and Fenric has no more berries. Fenric is indeed confused. It battles through the Confuser to use its own Confuse Ray. Uh, the bat is also, in fact, confused. Zaheer fights through the confusion, however, using Return for 19%. Fenric then hits itself in the face. It's down to 37% in the yellow. Zaheer comes back out in favor of Kuvira the Heracross, and Fenric hits itself again. It is down to 32%. And Fenric comes back out in favor of Alvatore as the Crobat. Uh, however, this time Mess predicted uh, and used Rock Tomb, which dealt 45% damage on the switch and dropped Valvatore as his speed, which could potentially be really impactful. Uh, Valvatore did eat a Citrus Berry, however, and is up to 69% health. It looks like barring a crit, it's outside of Kuvira's threat range. And Kuvira comes back out in favor of Batar the Nitto King, uh, who takes a wing attack on the switch in and is down to 9% health in the red. 
Celeste chooses not to capitalize, however, and hard swaps into Fenric the Umbreon, who comes in on a blizzard, and this one does land for 26% damage. Fenric is down to 6% health. Both of these Mon are critically injured. Batar is the faster, however, and uses Surf, and finally, that Umbreon goes down. I couldn't guarantee outspeeding with uh, half speed. That's fair. Valvatorez, the Crowbat, comes back out for Celeste. Uh, and Valvatorez uses a wing attack, and that is enough to finish Batar off. Out comes Azula the Lantern for Mess. And Valvatorez the Crowbat comes back out in favor of Tink the Jumpluff, who switches into a Stab Thunder from Azula, taking 36% damage and is now paralyzed. And Azula does now outspeed after the paralysis and uses Thunder once again, but this time it misses. Uh, Tink uses Stun Spore, and Azula is now also paralyzed. Uh, Tink is fully paralyzed, so is Azula. They're just kind of hanging out and twitching. Uh, Tink used Leech Seed, uh, seeding Azula, before eating another Thunder for 37% of his health. After the Leech Seed, Tink is back up to 40%. Azula is down to 88 uh, This turn, Tink is fully paralyzed and cannot move. Azula does act through paralysis and lands a Confuse Ray. Tink is now confused. After another turn of Leech Seed, Tink is up to 53% health again. And Messer Engine brings out Kuvira, his hair across, switching into a Mega Drain from Tink, which is not very effective, dealing only 6%. On the following turn, uh, Tink comes back out in favor of Valvatorez the Crobat. Once again, Mess predicted used Rock Tomb. Valvatorez is down to 21% health, and his speed is reduced. And on the following turn, Valvatorez comes back out in favor of Mal the Slow King. Mal switches into a Headbutt from Kuvira, taking 28% on the switch. And Kavira comes back out in favor of Icky, the Jump Bluff, who switches into a Fire Blast from Mao, uh, which obviously is very super effective, dealing 69% damage on the switch. Icky's down to 31% total. And on the following turn, Mao is brought back in favor of Tink, the Jump Bluff. Uh, Tink swapping into a Sleep Powder from Icky, uh, which fails. Tink is already paralyzed. Icky uses Leech Seed, I'm guessing anticipating a swap that did not come. Tink uses Sleep Powder, uh, and Icky fell asleep, but Icky was holding a Lumberry, so he wakes up. Icky comes back in favor of Kuvira the Heracross, uh, who switches into a Sleep Powder of her own, and Kuvira is now napping. And Kuvira comes back out in favor of Azula the Lantern, at the same time that Tink comes back in favor of Mal the Slow King. Azula is paralyzed, but on paper at least, this is a matchup that probably favors the, the fish. And Mao uses Confusion, dealing only 19% damage to Azula. Azula uses Thunder, dealing 49% to Mao. Mao uses Surf, dealing only 17% to Azula and triggering the Citrus Berry, healing Azula back up to 65%. Uh, Azula uses Thunder once again, but this time it misses. And on the following turn, Mal comes back in favor of Salvatore the Magneton, who switches in on another Thunder. Uh, this resisted Thunder dealing 40% and paralyzing the Magneton on the switch head. Uh, Salvatore does still outspeed and uses Sonic Boom, dealing that static 20 damage. On this turn, Azula is paralyzed and cannot act. Azula comes back in favor of Kuvira the Heracross, who switches into another Sonic Boom for another static 20 damage. Kuvira still sleeping. And Kuvira comes back out in favor of Azula the Lantern, switching into a Flash Cannon for 9%. 
Uh, Salvatore is paralyzed on this turn and eats a Surf from Azula, and that's enough to take down the Magneton. Out comes Valvatorez the Crobat. Valvatorez uses a wing attack, which only deals 10% to the fish, eating a Surf, which is enough to bring down the weakened bats. Out comes Etna the Heracross at full health for Celeste. And Azula comes back in favor of Zaheer the Crobat, eating a Brick Break on the switch in for only 14% of his total health. Uh, Zaheer outspeeds with wing attack. However... Etna is holding a Koba Berry, which weakens the flying damage. Takes only 80, only 82% of his health from the, the wing attack. Etna, however, uses Counter, which is enough to finish off Zaheer the Crobat. Out comes Juan the Kadabra, who outspeeds with Psybeam, and that is more than enough to bring down the Fighting Bug. Uh, and out comes Tink the Jumpluff. Uh, Juan comes back in favor of Kuvira, the Sleeping Heracross. Uh, Tink uses Stun Spore, which is obviously ineffective against the Sleeping Bug. On the following turn, Kuvira continues to nap uh, while Tink Leech Seeds it. Uh, the Leech Seed actually triggers Kuvira down to Citrus Berry range, and it actually heals overall on the turn up to 65%. On the following turn, Kuvira wakes up and gets an Aerial Ace Crit, which is enough to finish off Tink. Uh, Mao comes out for Celeste, her final Pokemon at 23% health. And Kuvira outspeeds with Headbutt, which is enough to bring down Mao. The winner is Messer Engine. Good game. These are good matches. Good game. Well, good game, guys. So after our, our Chapter 3 matches, everyone went 1-1, one and one, and that means that uh, our leaderboard remains mostly the same. The scores just got a little bit bigger. Uh, Celeste remains in third with her pickup of 60 points. She is now at 270. Uh, Messer Engine remains in second at 390. And I, Jolly by Nature, remain in first place with a score of 450. How are we feeling after PvP this week, guys? I'm pretty happy I was able to cobble against or cobble together a uh, competitive team in the short amount of time and sleeplessness that I did. Yeah, your team was pretty threatening. That Umbreon was a real pain in the ass. Yeah, I figured that was the best way to use him is to uh, just throw status around and cause chaos. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with the lantern too. That thing is thick. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not a big fan of that fish. I'm very sad I lost my own. I figured it could take a freaking focus punch, but I... Um, overestimated its tankiness i guess <laughs> like you outsped my cadabra on your fero but when that boy's an alakazam that <laughs> that day will be done yeah 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 i uh i noticed that earlier today when i was like let me look at some base stat numbers and i was like oh that's a pleasant surprise for now but only for now <laughs> yeah exactly i was like oh man that was a surprise but goddamn It'll be an Alakazam soon. It is hard to play the slow game versus Mez, though, because Mez is awesome at it. You know, I was really surprised that you evolved Mal this week because it can't learn slack off except as a slowpoke. So I was a little surprised that you gave up on the reliable recovery, but I think this week at least it definitely paid off for you. Mm -hmm. I did give up on the reliable recovery, but I'll figure it out. Good God, if it hadn't been a slow king against Chuck, it would have been a wipe. Mm -hmm, exactly. I mean, yeah, absolutely. It, it saved your ass in multiple ways this week. So I think it was the correct decision. I was just surprised it's the one that you made. I did the math on it, and I just like, I, I need this now. Honestly, I, I sat Sokka this week, and aside from the lantern coming on the team, that was a big part of it, because I, I just wasn't going to evolve him this week. And I needed him to be more than a slowpoke if he was going to stay on the team. 
Yeah, I mean, that's that's certainly valid. Well, all right, guys, that is chapter three. It's in the book. So let's go ahead and take a look at what comes next in chapter four of gameplay. Uh, now, this chapter, our hosts are back on that grind with a, a gameplay section packed with content and two big gym fights. Uh, first, our challengers will be heading back to Ecritique City, where they will head east, either through the depths of Mount Mortar or over the waves to Route 42 and Mahogany Town. Uh, there they'll discover that not all is well and they'll head north to Route 43 in the Lake of Rage to investigate where they'll encounter the infamous Red Gyarados. Can't catch this one though guys, only full odds shinies allowed. No cheating. Uh, our heroes will discover that the rockets are up to no good once again uh, and they'll explore hidden lairs to root out these criminals and challenge both admins Petrol and Ariana to shut down their operation. Finally, we'll free the town from the grasp of Criminal Enterprise and challenge Price in the Mahogany Town Gym. Now, Price is an ice-type specialist. He uses a seal, the infamous Doomgong, and a Piloswine. His signature move is Hail, and our level limit for Price is 34. Now, once Price has been defeated, it will be time to finally head back to Olivine City. Now that we've brought her medicine for the sick Ampharos in the Olivine Lighthouse, uh, Jasmine will reopen the Olivine City Gym in gratitude and accept our challenge. Now, Jasmine is a Steel-type specialist. She uses two Magnemite and a Steelix. Her signature move is Iron Tail. Our level limit for Jasmine and for the week is 35. Thankfully, that is a much smaller gap than in the original Gold, Silver, and Crystal, so we'll have much less mindless grinding between our two gems than we did the first time around. Hooray! How are we feeling going into Chapter 4 of Gameplay, guys? Jasmine's always really scary, because as we were talking about earlier, Steel is such a good defensive typing, and when you take Super Effective off the table, like it becomes really, really dangerous. I remember you did this gym on hard with uh, Jump Pluff, and it was still scary. It was literally Johto special and wait. <laughs> and hope that the jump love doesn't die terribly. And then there's always the Onyx uh, signature always screeching at you and lowering your defense, whatever else it has. Oof. Yeah, I don't I don't legitimately know how I'm gonna do that. Part of me wants to try and hard mode it with status and leech seed. Mm. Just kinda kind of slow slow win it but if it goes bad that fight goes real bad mm -hmm. when we could just have uh kuvira brick breaking or drain punching or whatever pretty much everything out there yeah you know with with steel it's really challenging because just about everything that doesn't hit it super effective is resisted very few things hit neutrally especially when you take second typings into account so we're gonna have to uh, if we are hard moding this gym individually we're gonna have to come up with some interesting strategies i think to pull that off but yeah that is that is our weekend gameplay guys it's in the books and as always as we look forward to chapter four we want you guys to know when you can expect to find us live and streaming it over on twitch mess when will you be live this week i should be live tomorrow at my normal time 6 p.m at twitch.tv slash engine or today if you're listening to it now uh that is the 14th of april very good now as always i will be streaming at my same bat time same bat channel tuesday evening 9 p.m eastern at twitch.tv slash jolly by nature i may stream friday again this week as well it really just kind of depends on where we're at i'm actually i'm working on getting something prepped so that we have something else to stream on fridays when we don't need to stream 
BBR gameplay, uh, but it's going to take me a little bit of time, so be patient with me, guys. We'll we'll get back to a consistent two nights a week here soon, uh, but definitely Tuesday and, and definitely the following Tuesday as well, 9 p.m. Eastern, twitch.tv slash jollybynature. Uh, Celeste, when can our listeners expect to find you live on Twitch? Barring any issues, it should be Thursday evening at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at twitch.tv slash Lost. And then the following Thursday, um, I might be doing more streams sooner or later. Um, I just need my life to actually uh, stabilize a bit. Buying a house kind of threw a monkey wrench in a lot of things. But hopefully I'll get a solid, uh, consistent stream going again. All right, guys. Now, as always, we want to hear from you. We want those emails, whether you're playing along with us at home, doing your own super dope challenge runs that you just want to talk about, or if you just want to give us your thoughts and feelings on the show and what we're up to, please send those emails to blastburnradio at gmail.com or get at the show on social media, Discord, wherever you get your Blastburn radios. Now, as always, you can follow me personally at BBR Jolly on Twitter. I'm at Celeste Lost. And I'm at Messer Engine. And as always, don't forget to check out Mythic Portal Games for all of your role-playing assets. If you need tokens and map packs and other really great art to bring your role-playing campaign up a notch, Mythic Portal has got some really great stuff that can help give you uh, a, a better and more professional quality at, at a really affordable price. And as always, don't forget to follow the show at Blastburn Radio on Twitter and Facebook to stay up to date on what all of our hosts are doing around the web. I do want to thank everyone for joining us today. I want to give a very special thank you as always to my co-hosts messer engine and celeste for blastburn radio i'm jolly by nature thank you for listening and we will see you next time we'll see you next time folks see you next time blastburn radio is a production of challenge accepted media this episode was produced by jolly by nature celeste the lost and messer engine If you enjoy Blastburn Radio or any of our other projects, you can support us at patreon.com slash challengeacceptedmedia. Pokemon and all related games and characters are the property and trademark of Nintendo, Game Freak, and the Pokemon Company. Opening music in today's episode includes Game On by Fishy off the OC Remix album The Missing No Tracks. Check out this great album at missingno.ocremix.org. Battle music in today's episode provided by Glitch X City. Check out her work on YouTube or SoundCloud at Glitch X City. Closing music in today's episode is National Park Cover by Family Jewels. Be sure to check him out on YouTube or follow him on Twitter at FamilyJewels7X. Design work and stream assets provided by Rachel Mondragon. Check out her other work or contact her for commissions on Twitter at RachieChu. Blastburn Radio and its hosts are solely responsible for its content. <laughs>